Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Amen. So good to see everybody here this weekend. Thank you for being here. One of our 412 students just walked off a while ago and said, what, what is the hokey pokey? We know, I know what that is. Adrian, you're telling your age over there, man, the hokey pokey. That's so funny. Skating rink, the old skating rink. Well, um, thanks for uh, being here again and uh, such, such a great uh, day anytime we can be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. And so today I am going to be finishing up a series that we've been kind of uh, chipping away at the past couple of weeks. Today is week three. And so I I want to, uh, anytime we're in a series, I try to give three or four minutes for those of you that have not not been here um, to catch you up and encourage you to catch it on podcast uh, later. But I want to do that now. And um, we've been talking about the plans of God. And so this is, is definitely a, a broad topic. Many, many uh, books and studies are dedicated to just trying to be in God's plan. And so uh, this has been a short series, and in no way have we exhausted this content. But week one, we talked about four things that uh, God's plan can entail. And we talked about how God's plan is predetermined or can be predetermined. How God's plan for you is personalized for you or customized for you. We talked about how God's plan is paced for you, that the speed and cadence of God's plan for your life is pre-thought, and then how God's plan for you is pleasing to you. So it's not intimidating to know that you are in God's plan or to be pursuing or praying for God's plan because his plan is going to be pleasing for you. In so doing, we talked about uh, two separate areas. We talked about the permissive plan of God, which is anything that is loving God and loving people. So it's a very, a very broad plan, a very broad will of God that we love God and that we love people. And then we drilled down a little bit and we talked about what the ideal plan of God would be. And the ideal plan of God involves the pursuit and the price and the elimination of possibilities so that all that remains after that is just clear direction. So once we have chiseled away at pursuing God, paying the price of pursuing God, and then eliminating possibilities in our life over and over and over again through that pursuit and price, all that's left is clear direction from God. Then last week, we talked about God's plan can include pain. And uh, I, I used this example of systems and sovereignty, and we talked about how God put systems in place, things that just work because he told them to, And then there is the sovereignty of God, which is the interruption of our time. And we call those things miracles. And so I compared those to two train tracks, the sovereignty and the systems of of God. And they are running parallel with each other. And on top of that, 
that train track, if, if you will, is humanity and how you never hear of a track wreck, but you always hear of a train wreck. So the systems and sovereignty of God are always solid, but humanity can be, can be rocky, and that's because we get free will. So God's plan then can include pain because of chaos and because of choice and because of chance. And we talked that out last week, that the, the will of God or the plan of God, rather, can involve pain because of chaos and choice and because of chance. So this week, when uh, we conclude this series, I'm going to focus on this one thought this morning, and that is this, when God's plan is not your plan. When God's plan is not your plan. Now, we can immediately get into personal examples this morning of things that you've been through personally, things you've experienced where you said, man, I, I just don't know that God is in this. I don't know that this is really the the plan of God for my life, and I don't like it. And if it is God's plan, it doesn't feel good, and it's not comfortable, and I don't want to be in it any anymore. And uh, you could also think about timing issues. You know, when you say uh, God's asking you to wait, well, that's not my my plan. I'm not in the hurry up and wait plan. I want something now. I need an answer now. And this this is, if this is God's plan is to wait, then I don't want to do it anymore. If it's God's plan for me to be single, then I don't want it anymore. If it's God's plan that, that right now is not the time for us to move or start a family or whatever, then I don't want to be in God's plan anymore. And so when we think out those experiences in our life, it can be very frustrating and it doesn't fit well into personal theology. Because the temptation for us is to build a God around solely on what our experiences are. And I know that sounds very shallow, but I want you to pause in that for just a moment. If your faith is only centered around your experience, then we're probably all in trouble. We're going to have to have faith that is anchored to a higher value than just our life experience. Because life experience is not predictable and it's hard, and it's rigid, can be very tough and challenging. And so you want your faith to be increasing and growing. And if you anchor that to your life's experiences, there's going to be times when you sit back and wonder big questions. Is God involved? Is there a God? Is there a plan for me? And so on. So most of you in the room this morning, you started to develop a plan for your life in your early years. You had passions and even compassions that started to lead you in different areas of, of, of interest. Some of you, your story would be, well, I knew that I was going to be this or that when I was a kid. I knew that from what uh, I grew up in, that this is what I was going to do. I just had always loved it or been around it. And so that's my life story is I fell in love with what my parents did or I had an early vision in my life where I've just got a gift and that gift has always made room for me. And so I, I knew early on that this is kind of where I, I was headed. But maybe the uh, thrill that you got from taking your mother's lemonade and selling it for a dollar a glass in the driveway turned into a lifelong pursuit of you to turn a profit. Or maybe all those band-aids and bandages that you put on the dolls of the dog developed into a life of healing other people. 
Many times God will take your passion and he will use it in ways that are very adventurous and even advantageous to you. So if you become a business person, God will often use your success to help build or resource the kingdom or use your leadership knowledge to raise up ministries and leaders. If you're a doctor, God will often provide you with the opportunity to go into areas where even insulin and penicillin are medical marvels. As we've been talking these past few weeks about the plan of God, or the plans of God, I hope that you see a clear picture of how your own life has been supernaturally guided. I hope that you can look at your own story and go, this was a time when God's hand was, was heavy on me. That I knew that this was a, a, a moment that shifted life for me. And had I not met them or had I not walked through this door, or had I not done this, then my life would look completely different. But you did meet that person and you did walk through that, that door. I hope that you see specific examples of how God gave you a skill or used your story or gave you a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it is very hard for us to believe that in all the goodness of God and in all the benefits found in obedience that there would be anyone who would not want God's plan for their, their life, but there are definitely those who wrestle with it. There are those who have teetered back and forth, and maybe you're here and this is an example of your own life story. You serve God for a while and then you don't for a while, and you're all in for a while and then you're not for a while. And it's all because you like what's going on sometimes and sometimes you don't. And Or maybe your faith is tethered to your experiences. And so when your experiences are up here, your faith is up here. And when your experiences are down here, your faith is there also. And so there's this temptation to come in and out of God's ideal plan for our our life. To stop seeking, to get lazy, to become complacent. To say, God, is this really where you want me right now? Am I right in the ideal plan of God? So a good person to bring up here, the most obvious, is the story of Jonah. Jonah did not want what God wanted. God came to him and he said, hey, listen, I've got something for you. I've seen it. It's customized. It's predetermined. <laughs> You're going to go where I want you to go. And I've got you in mind, Jonah. And I could have chosen anyone, but I'm choosing you. And I believe that our lives are no, no different than that of Jonah. I believe there's a special, hand-selected, ideal plan of God for you. And I also believe that there's going to be days that if God revealed all of it to you right now, it'd scare you to death. If you didn't know that there were going to be some tough days and rainy days and challenging days and throw your hands up and surrender days, and you would probably look at that, at that plan and say, I'm, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that because you see it as intimidating and scary and out of control. And so this leads to a great talking point, and it's this. God will destroy our plans 
when he sees that our plans will destroy us. Anytime you've looked at your life and you've thought, man, God is punishing me, or he is redirecting me, or man, I feel like the rug has just been jerked out from underneath me, it very well could be that that is the hand of God. And this has been the number one question that you've sent me over the past three weeks is, you know, when things go awry, can that be the, the, the Lord? Sure, he can redirect you. And he can do it in a, in a myriad of ways. And I'll talk about that as soon as, as I end this morning. But when we look at, at the plan of God and the vastness of God and the significance of your life and the significance of, of this moment and this era of time in which you get to live and how God wants to, to help you further the kingdom along, sometimes we get selfish and sometimes we want because we have appetites and appetites always want, want more. But God will destroy our plans if he sees that those plans are going to destroy us. Now, we all know Jonah's story. There's a storm. There's a person overboard. There's megalodons. There's vomit. It's just terrible. It's painful to watch. You go through it, and you're like, man, this story is not going to end well. When you get into the scripture, you see this incredible unfolding. And I'm, I'm going to just point it right out to you for the sake of time. But if you read through Jonah 1, all of what I'm about to say is found in Jonah chapter 1. It says, Jonah went down to Joppa. And there he went down into a boat. And from there he laid down to sleep. And then he went down into the sea. And then he went down into the belly of a fish. The whole trajectory of Jonah's plan was where? Down. Anytime we try to go against this plan of God for our lives, anytime we're running from him, anytime we're saying no, anytime we're saying I do not want to get involved in what you have best for me, like any father would, he is going to create some guardrails. And he is going to come to our aid and say, let me help you understand that if you do not stay in this sweet spot, like what we talked about last week, the entire trajectory of our lives can end up in a downward spiral. And this is one of those things that ends up being very significant because you kind of wake up, you come to yourself as the prodigal son did, and you realize that you've spent all, and you've got terrible friends and toxic environments, and you're in the wrong career, and, and your, your relationships are all shallow, and you have nothing because your whole life through this season of running has been down to that and down to that and down to that and down to that, down, 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 the whole trajectory of your plan. And here's why all that, that happened. Because God will destroy your plan when he sees that it will destroy you. He knows the outcome. And don't let that slip by you. God leads us and plans for us from a place where he has already seen the finish line. 
And what God saw was this. He saw that Nineveh needed Jonah, but he also saw that Jonah needed Nineveh. There were some lessons to be learned. There were some growing points to be had. There were some friendships to be, be made. There were some bridges to be built. There were things to be done in Jonah's personal life, having gone through the leadership process of following the plan of God. This wasn't just about Nineveh. This was just as much about the growth and the personal development of Jonah. And sometimes you've got to have heat, and you've got to have pressure, and you've got to have weight in order for you to grow. And God says, I've got to put you through this process. I've got to develop you. And if, if you think, you know, uh, talking about the hokey pokey was bad, when you, let, let me use this example here. We talk about the development of film. Film used to start off in the, the dark room, right? And the development of that, that image would go from one chemical to a stronger chem, to something stronger to some, until the, deve- the full development of that image started to come about. And that is how Oftentimes, the Lord is growing us. It may have to be a dark place. You may have to go through strong things. But in the end, there's a development of the image of God on your life because of the process. So what Jonah was missing out on was not just an evangelistic opportunity. What he was doing was sabotaging his own growth process. So don't fight the plan of God for your life. Because God has seen it from the finish line. This is why it requires faith. Some of us in this room, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of us in this room, you are overthinkers. And everything in your life, including your faith, is, is, is an overthought. You can't just sit and trust and rest in something that you cannot understand. So you overthink it and you obsess and you overthink and you obsess. But remember that overthinking is the art of creating outcomes that do not exist. Overthinkers are notorious for this, to create multiple outcomes that may never happen. And then you develop worry and mental real estate over things that may never happen. And suddenly, what's going on with God and what's going on with your faith and what's going on with your job and what's going on with your marriage is just one big pile of emotions that have been overthought. Second today, if it is not God's plan, you can't force it. But if it is God's plan, You can't stop it, all right? If it is not God's plan, you cannot force it. But if it is God's plan, you can't stop it. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas have been ministering. They've had a very odd day, and that odd day has landed them in jail. Now, this is when you really start to think, am I really in God's plan? Okay, when you end up in jail for doing the ministry, you're able to ask the question, am I still in God's plan? As this story unfolds, 
You see how, how it is, but going to jail for any reason is never on your spiritual bucket list. I've never once prayed, Lord, please let me be taken away. Now, history does tell us that there are several who have been able to expand their lives and ministry while in prison. Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Jesus, Paul and Silas, and Martha Stewart. All of these people have expanded. <laughs> Sometimes I have to make sure y'all are still with me, not just on your phone. Sometimes God's plan will feel like it is out of control. And Paul and Silas must have thought, what just happened? We were just walking through the streets, just ministering, and now here we are in this jail. How can this possibly be God's plan? This feels out of control. Many times in my life, many times in your life, you have been in the ideal plan of God, and it feels like a roller coaster. It has a predetermined path. It has a predetermined speed. But for you, the one experiencing it, you have one job to sit back and wonder if the guy whose job it was to tighten all this up over winter really did his job. And so when we go through these spiritual roller coasters, we are trusting that God's hand is on every part and experience of this plan. God, today the sun is not out. Lord, today this doesn't feel very good. Lord, today has been a challenging day, but I'm still in the plan of God. I'm not going to abort this plan. I'm not going to sabotage it. I'm not going to try to force my own agenda. I am going to stay right here in the ideal plan of God. I used to have this habit in my early years. It happened so often, I gave it a little name for myself, and I called it crowbarring. And what that means for me is this. Anytime I saw an opportunity that I felt was presented to me, but God's timing was slow, or anytime I felt like the door may have been opening just a little bit, but not enough for me to really walk through it yet, I felt I needed to get personally involved and crowbar it. And so I would speed up the process. And I would fight God on it. And I would wrestle with him. And I would get angry. And I would, get, I would say, come on, Lord. I mean, if you would just do this now, why wait a year? Do it right now. And I would crowbar that thing. But the one thing I learned during those years was this. That the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And you can add whatever you want there. The right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. Don't get caught crowbarring your way through the plan of God. Relax. Let him do it. Let him set the pace. Let him set the cadence. He may give you a crack in that door just to see that he's up to something. But don't get your hand involved too quickly because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Again, if it is not God's plan, you can't force it. But if it is God's plan, you cannot stop it. Let me give you a few 
reasons why we often refuse God's plan. Okay, these are reasons that we refuse God's plan. The first one is this. We have a tendency to carry old feelings into new experiences. So anytime God wants to show you something new, give you something new, create something special for you, if it has a resemblance to something you have been through before, you associate those two things and you have a negative feeling about it. You say, Lord, I don't want to do that because I've trusted somebody before. I don't want to lead that again because I failed once. I don't, I don't, I don't want to put myself out there because the last time I did that, I got lied to. I got, I got talked about. I don't like being critiqued. And the last time that, that happened, uh, I got critiqued. And so, God, I don't want to do that. You're bringing old feelings into new experiences. And so as God tries to create, give you something new and fresh and energetic for your life, you're looking at it constantly through a lens of a former experience. And so if, if that's you this morning, you need to take on a position of being healed and saying, Lord, whatever is in me that is still broken, whatever is in me that is still hurt, whatever that is in me still has angst, Lord, I want that gone so that I can walk into every chapter of my life with some confidence. The things that you are opening up for me, I want to be able to go into those things with great confidence. The second reason we refuse God's plan is because we have analysis paralysis. Now, you've heard me talk about this before, but this tends to go in with that overthinking thought. God tries to give you something, God's got a plan for you, and you want to think it to death. I need the details, I need the agenda, I need to know who's going to be involved, I need to know when it's going to start, I need to know when it's going to end, I need to know what to pack, I need to know all of these things, and God is saying, what I need you to do is just take a step to just Stop having analysis paralysis and you want to know so many details that a year goes by and you're still in the same spot. Now, Craig Groeschel came up with this great, great word. It's called Gitmo, G-E-T-M-O, Gitmo. Okay, Gitmo means this, good enough to move on. All right? So if you have analysis paralysis, let your faith grow into this place where you can Gitmo. I'm, I'm at this place in my faith. I'm at this part in my journey. I'm at this part in the plan of God where it's good enough for me to move on. I don't have to be stuck. I don't have to overthink it. I don't have to obsess about it. I don't have to have a one-year, three-year, five-year plan over it. I just need to get enough to move forward, to move on. Third, the third reason why we refuse God's plan is because you have committed to things that you are not called to. Okay? So you have committed your life in so many areas that you're not called to that now to make room for the ideal plan of God is difficult for you because you don't have margin. So you've committed to all these things that, that have a, a, a lot of weight in, in your life, and maybe they're hobbies, maybe it's career, maybe it's so many uh, just connections and networks and plates that you've got to spin and activities that you've got to do, and you love them all, but you've got to say no to some to make yes for some new things. And so God's calling you into a life that is more balanced where you can let go of some of the things that you're committed to so that you can say yes to more things that you're called to. 
All right? I hope that makes sense. But sometimes we say, God, I can't, I can't serve because look at my life. I don't have margin. Lord, I can't, I can't give to the kingdom. Look at my life. We don't have any margin. Lord, I, I, can't, I can't start something like that. Look at our lives. We don't have the margin because we're committed to so much, and it may be a lot of good things. But are you committed to it or are you called to it? That's a question between you and the Holy Spirit. And lastly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land with this. Ways that I can quickly get back into God's plan. Well, I think the first one is very simple, and it's that here am I is always a good prayer. Here am I is always a good prayer. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he was high and lifted up, and his life was completely changed by just seeing a glimpse and catching a glimpse of who God really was. The first thing out of his mouth was, woe am I. Like, wow, I did not realize how incredible you were and, and how finite I am. And he gets through this process, and once the angel of, of the Lord places a fire off, off a coal off the altar and touches his lips with it, he says, here am I. This is always a good starting place. This is always a good prayer. And if you're here today and you feel like you are out of the will of God, you feel like you're completely out of God's plan, you feel like any of these reasons I just went over about, about why you've refused God's plan, or maybe you've, you're having a Jonah season, maybe you're just on the, the run, the greatest thing that you can do is stop and just say, God, here I am. This is the greatest place to do a U-turn. It's the greatest opportunity to start again. It's the greatest time to say, okay, I have taken a the long way around to get to a very short distance that you wanted me to get to, but God, it stops right here. Here am I. Here am I is always a good prayer. Why? Because sometimes the greatest act of faith is just faithfulness. Sometimes the greatest thing that you can do to exercise your faith is just to be faithful. Here I am. I'll do it. I, I want to be in your plan for my life. Here I am. Second, and this one kind of gets personal. You need to make the shift from wanting to be right to wanting the right answer. If you want to get back into the plan of God for your life, stop trying to be right and just seek God for the right answer. Some of the most humbling but in incredibly catapulting experiences for my, for in my own life is when I have stopped and just said, God, I, I, I am a prideful man right now. And I, I think I'm right on this, and so that is the path that I have taken. But God, if I'm not right, I just want the right answer. Just, just realign me. Bring me back into an aligning place with you. I don't have to be right. I just want the right answer. And third, to get back into God's ideal plan, we need to hear from God. Okay, and I'm going to give you these very, very quickly, and then I'm going to serve you communion this morning. 
Mark Batterson brilliantly came up with these little talking points several years ago, and that's what I'm going to use today to end with. Very quick ways to hear from God. Okay, if you're a note taker, get get ready because I'm going to go really fast. The first one is Scripture. What has God already said? Okay, don't, don't ignore what God has already said. If you need to hear from God, seek Scripture. Two, God will speak to you through your, your desires. What are you passionate about? Because this is clues to God's ideal plan for you. What are you compassionate about? What do you want to get up in the morning and do? If you could change your life and do anything, what, what would it be? Those are passions. And that's how God's speaking. Third, doors. What is opening and what is shutting? What things are naturally opening for you and what things are naturally shutting for you? This is how God is speaking. Four, dreams. Dreams can be a very spiritual conversation. They can also be very confusing if you've had Marco's pizza. Okay? You've got to learn to differentiate between what God is saying and what tomato sauce is saying. Dreams. Five, people. What are the people who love you? What are they saying to you? What do they see in you? What blind spots are they calling out in your life? To get realigned in the ideal plan of God, ask people who love you, what do you see that I'm not seeing? Sixth, prompting. A prompting is an unexplainable tension in your spirit. You feel like something's there, like there's a chapter beginning, like a page is about to turn. It's, it's got an anticipation feel to it. It's got expectancy to it, but you just don't know what it is yet. That is the Holy Spirit prompting you that something is about to happen. And the last one is pain. Pain can recalibrate you. If you are in a season of pain right now, ask God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn through this? Okay, scripture desires, doors, dreams, people prompting in pain. You got to hear from God to get in the ideal plan of God. And you may be here this morning, and I hope this series has been food for you. And so the biggest question is, is this after these three weeks. What are you going to do with all that? So if you're out of the plan of God, if you're running from God, if you're trying to escape from something, if you're saying, God, I don't, no, 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 no. What are you going to do with that? I would challenge you to surrender to the ideal plan of God. Man, pursue Him. Pay the price. God, I want to be right in the middle of the most adventurous and advantageous plan that you have for my life. And I'm going to trust you with it. Some of you this morning need to do what I did. You need to put down your crowbar. Take your tool belt off. Stop trying to help the Lord. Stop trying to force it. Stop trying to make things happen. And just rest in the plan of God. I just want to do what you ask me. I want to take the gifts that you gave me and I want to use them for the kingdom of God. And I want my life to be full. And I don't want to be so committed that I can't be called. So God, I just make some margin. I say no to some things so I can say yes to the kingdom. 
I want your ideal plan in my life. 